Hi, this is Adina here with today's episode of Wonder Your Way to Brilliant, podcast show of Courage to be Curious. And it is the month of October. We are talking about the Niyama of Svadhyaya. Svadhyaya is self-study. And um, if you haven't been tracking us, we are this year following talking about the yamas and the niyamas. And these are principles that come from the practice of yoga about how we live our life. And I guess I just want to stop now that we're in this segment of self-study. And one of the pursuits of self-study that I'm currently involved with is um, a yoga teacher training program. Many of you heard me talk about this. In fact, I was going to do yoga teacher training last year at the beginning of our exploration of yamas and niyamas and family circumstances and things like that made that that possible. So I am doing it now. And as part of this course, one of the things that I am studying is the Bhagavad Gita, which is kind of one of the core texts um, in yoga and in um, Hindu tradition. And so part of the essence of the Bhagavad Gita is really defining what is yoga. In the West, we think of yoga very often as we picture a yoga class in a studio and these poses and sun salutations and warrior poses and all those kinds of things. And we've lost some of the, or we've lost a lot of the essence of what actually is yoga. And the definition in one of the translations of the Bhagavad Gita, or actually the definition, and it's just described differently or articulated differently in some different translations, is the evenness of the mind in one translation and another translation, you know, the living of our lives in a steadiness without attachment to the fruits of our actions. So two different takes on the same thing, even <clears throat> evenness of mind that our mind that Existing at a kind of steady, peaceful state or an even state, regardless of kind of what's going on around us. So there may be turbulence in our life. There may be turbulence politically. There may be, you know, wonderful things happening and we can experience joy and we can experience sadness and all those things. But ultimately that we return to an evenness that is not attached to you know, a permanence. I always have to be happy or I have to avoid bad things from ha- things I'm labeling as bad from happening or I have to avoid things. But this kind of steadiness and even keelness that can exist regardless of what's happening outside. And in the other translation that I read, this idea of this attitude of yoga, which is the actions that I take, I take because they are actions aligned with goodness aligned perhaps with love, if you're into Marian Williamson as I am, um, but without attachment to the fruits of those things. Like I'm taking this action because it is an action of love, because it is an action of goodness. It is an action that is a part of my design, my you know, God-given design to do, and not because it is going to produce a particular result that I think is going to bring me something. So, right, it's a really tall order when we think about what is yoga from this vantage point. And so what I love about this in one respect is that even if you don't have flexible hamstrings or you don't practice poses and things like that, and you are a listener of the podcast, 
you know, this is your way in. You're doing yoga in our pursuits of these, you know, of this state of mind and this state of being. And so in this week, as we've been talking about, like last week I introduced Vadiyaya and, you know, this week to talk further about like, how do we go about doing this? How do we know when we're attached to things? How do we know when we're outside of our states of being that is yoga? And, you know, I think some, a lot of us know this, like, okay, we have highs and lows and we have crashes, or we know when we grasp for things or when we cling to things or when we strive for things or when we pursue things. And so all of those experiences, internal experiences, you know, are indicators that, you know, we've moved out of a state of yoga, of an attitude of yoga, and we've moved into a state that is of the outer world. And you know, this is not to judge and to say what, you know, that it's bad or good to do that. It's to have an awareness. And I think this Svadhyaya is about our having awareness that very often I move out of states. I love to feel exuberantly happy about things or, you know, sometimes I do things and I'm aware that I'm hoping or anticipating a certain outcome from it. And then at the same time, I at least, you know, what I'm striving for is to have the awareness that I am in that place, that maybe I have moved out of my pure yoga state and I have moved into this other place and, you know, that, that I give myself permission to do that and that I have an awareness of it. So in this pursuit of Svadhyaya is how much awareness can I have of self? And there's this important concept in self-study, in self-study and in yoga of the witness that can I be witness to myself? not only be myself, but can I be witness to myself too? So can I be living my life and observing the aspects of how I'm living it and myself living it? So if I, you know, if I step out, if I choose, you know, a certain stage or I, you know, find myself reacting or responding in a certain way, can I also be, can I be the witness to that who's observing it? Because when I have the state of being the witness to it, then I know that I have choice and I also know I have the capacity to return back and I can move out of states of suffering that are brought about by staying attached to something or you know, striving for a particular thing that is really outside of my control, um, you know, those kinds of things. So one of the exercises that um, Deborah Adele brings about in the book and you know it can be a challenging one I always feel like you know like if you watch a movie trailer and it says you know here's a little disclaimer there might be offensive language or nudity or something like that in there you know that this exercise is not an easy exercise it can bring up a lot of stuff it can be incredibly informative in the pursuit of self-study and it can be really challenging. I know that the times that I've practiced this, either in the way that she described or in a slightly modified way, you know, it's been painful at times. It's been difficult. It's also been extraordinarily informative. So I offer it here and then I invite you to make a wise choice. <laughs> a wise choice being in your um, consistent with your practice of self-study. Does it make sense for me to do this exercise now or is this an exercise for some time later in my pursuit? Um, or maybe I just dabble in it but I don't go full in. So I'm not, you know I'm gonna give you a you know a beginner version here. But um, her the exercise that she offers is to pause for a moment 
And to sit down and think about when you think about the world as you see it, the world defined any way that it comes to your mind, what are the first five things that you write down about it? So you think about the world and you write down five thoughts. That's it. That's the exercise. And then you go back and actually I'll pause here. If you want to pause the podcast and go and do this, go ahead, pause the podcast and do this before you listen and go forward. Once you've paused this podcast and you've thought about just the world, whatever that means to you, I don't have to define it. I don't have to tell you what are the parameters of the world. It's whatever comes into your head. And you write down the first five thoughts that you have about it is then look at those five thoughts and what do they say? What do they convey? The world is a harsh place. The world is, you know, screwed up right now, right? It's very often we can walk around and hear people say that, you know, the world is perhaps crumbling, we might say, or perhaps we've said the world is filled with beautiful and wondrous things. The world is a place of adventure. The world is a place of kindness. The world is a place of generosity. The world is a place of greed. The world is a place, what did we write? And there's no right or wrong answers here. What there are are five statements that are self-informing about the lens through which we tend to be experiencing the world. So for example, if we wrote down like the world is a greedy place, everyone's just out for themselves. The idea is that this notion, this experience of greed or feeling, you know, that greed or the other side of that greed, the badness, you know, that sense that people are only out for themselves. The reflection back is that in order for us to see that and be experiencing in that world, that has to already be inside of us, this sense of people being out for themselves. And perhaps there are ways that I live as though I am out for myself as well. This is where I told you, you can get a little bit, you know, um, sketchy here in terms of how difficult it can be. Because over the years, when I've done this exercise, and I've put it down, some of the things that I've realized I feel about the world are actually things that I'm carrying around inside me. And I'm carrying around and experiencing that there are um, orientations that I have, their feelings that I have, their proclivities, that they're actually mine. Because think about it, in your entire definition and experience of the world, five things, they could be any five things, right? We could be focusing on any aspect of those five things. There's beautiful flowers in the world. There's a diversity of species in the world. There's wondrous things in the world. There's forgiveness in the world. There's kindness in the world. There's greed in the world. There's whatever. What things are we choosing? And it tends to be that when we look at those five statements that we can just learn something about ourselves. And the tricky part is to not feel badly or feel shame or feel guilt or any of those kind of things, or feel overly proud of ourselves if we happen to like the five statements, but to be neutrally observant and witnessing of those five things and to say, how are they informative about the lens that I am wearing as I walk through the world? I often talk to my clients about like when you go into a 3D movie theater and you put on those glasses that the glasses are there to help you see the movie in a particular way. If you take the glasses off, you're going to see it differently. If you buy sunglasses that are tinted, rose-colored, when you look out, you literally see a rose-colored world because everything is going through the lens of the tint. If you put on green glasses that were tinted green, you would see the world kind of like coated in green. You know, we can Emerald City from Wizard of Oz, right? Um, so it's to say that 
every single one of us is always wearing a uniquely shaped lens for how we experience the world. And when we look at something like the five statements, we can get a glimpse as to what kinds of, how are our glasses tinted? How is it that we're seeing everything out there? Um, even just yesterday, I was talking to somebody and I was saying, you know, I walk outside my front house and what do I first notice? Well, I could notice, I, I have a lot of options. I could notice that there are weeds in my garden that haven't been pulled up. I could notice that there's that circular flyers that I can't stand that's on my front lawn. I could notice that, you know, there's some of that green stuff that, on the siding that needs to be power washed off. I could notice the you know, one flowers, set of flowers that are still blooming in a bright color in my neighbor's garden, literally right across the eye shop from me. I could notice the fact that, you know, I live in a neighborhood where people take care of their gardens. I could notice, you know, what I love about the fact that I have two dedicated parking spaces right in front of my house in my condominium complex. So, you know, what do I notice? And if we walk outside our front house and we say, what are the first five things I notice? That's another way to do this exercise. Do I notice what's lacking? Do I notice the problems? Do I notice the dirt? Do I notice the weeds? Do I know what do I notice? Or do I notice the beauty? Do I notice the softness? Do I notice the quiet? Do I notice, you know, the things that I have? I could notice any of them, but which ones do I notice? And this is an important concept in Svadhyaya, which is that self-study. What do I land on? What does my heart land on? What do my eyes land on? What do my ears land on? And I think this gives us a rich opportunity to ask ourselves, you know, to look at ourselves in self-examination and say, what is that? And am I happy with what I'm seeing? Is what I'm seeing creating an experience of life that I am happy with or that I feel contented with, that I feel is the one that I want to choose? Because the truth of the matter is, I could train my eyes to land on whichever of these things I wanted, but it may not currently be landing on the things that I think are bringing me the greatest amount of satisfaction in life. So this is this week's offering in Svadhyaya. As I said, perhaps it should, a little, should have come um, with a little warning sign on it saying, you know, oh, not for the faint of heart today, but, you know, go ahead, go forth and engage if you're really ready. So. Do this to the extent that you're ready. And, you know, in the coaching practice that I have and even in the workshops that I do, really the core of what we do is to invite people in gentle ways and in instructive ways to become that witness. How do we become a witness to our world that we're in, how we're, what we're seeing, what we're hearing, what we're experiencing, how we're being, and um, how we're interacting with others as a result? So... Um, it's powerful work. If that's something that you are feeling inclined to or curious about, or perhaps even a little bit uneasy about, and you want to consider coaching this possibility for yourself right now, go ahead and reach out. Love to have a small chat with you. Um, and please continue to share this podcast. As you know, we've been traveling this year as a way of really spreading these deep guiding principles of yamas and niyamas because my perception is anyway, is it changes our lens of the world for the better. So we hope you will continue to enjoy until we get to the end. We're almost there and that you will um, 
invite others to listen in. And finally, we are headed into the You Matter Marathon, which is in November. This is the second year that Courage to Be Curious is a sponsor of the You Matter Marathon. And if you have not yet gotten your You Matter, um, your you Matter cards to distribute, the marathon is an entire month where every day you distribute a simple white card to somebody in your universe, in your world that says you matter. So if you're doing it all engaged with this idea of self-study and you want to like incline yourself more to seeing the beauty in people, seeing how they matter in the world, what a great opportunity to, you know, shift that lens to cultivate something you really want is that I will send you a deck or a set of 25 new matter cards. Um, and you can have them to distribute during the month of the November, which is the You Matter Marathon, when over a million cards will be distributed at countries all across the world, and you can be part of it with us. So if you're interested, go ahead and send me an email to adina, A-D-I-N-A, at couragetobecurious.com, put You Matter Marathon in the subject line, and request the cards. And have a great week. We'll be back with you next week.